you have homed in on the Bearded Beacon. I'm Seal. And I'm Chris. And this is episode number nine. How about Woo. that? One away from two digits. Yay. All right. We're almost preteens. We're almost preteens, but we're still at that innocent young age. Yes. Actually, we're nine years old. That's when I got my dune buggy. I was a holy terror at nine, now that I think about it. Uh, I don't remember nine. Really? Really. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I think I remember enough of nine for both of us, so many okay. adventures, but that's a story for another time. Yeah. So when last we talked, I had seen Deadpool and you hadn't. Mm, I've now seen right. it. I have now seen it a second time. How many? And you have seen it. Yes. At least I've once? seen it twice. You've yes. seen it twice as well. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Well, I thought it was incredibly funny. I don't laugh out loud in movies, and I laughed out loud in this movie more than once. And I choked twice on, <laughs> on nothing and nearly died from laughter. So it was great. And the weird, the weird thing was the first time I started choking and stuff is like I realized, oh, man, I'm by myself. I don't know anybody around me oh, who's going to save me. That's funny. And then Deadpool did. And he just came out of the screen and slapped me, and then yeah. I was okay. Well, he is self-aware to the point that, you know, if something like that happens, and he probably would just pop out of the screen and give you the Heimlich and, you know, give you a good game and get back to the story. I think you're right, yes. Yeah. I was I was by myself, so to speak, when I saw it the first time, but I didn't choke on anything. Although I did I did cackle quite a bit. That, that's good. Yes. Like people started cackling immediately as the credits started rolling. Oh, what did you okay, what, what did you think of that? Okay, now that you've seen it, what do you think of that opening credit scene? I think it's incredible. I think they should do it for every movie. When, yeah, wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to top it actually for the next one. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, they pulled out all the stops. I know because it's like, like, how do you top that? You just can't. Nope. And they're going to have to do something so different that it's going to just blow, blow that away. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be something completely completely different just yeah they're gonna go off on a complete tangent you know to what they did to open this one this, yeah. yeah i think I, I think i'm with you i think it's the only way they can do it mm-hmm. but i was uh i saw it with uh when the second time i was with a couple friends of mine that hadn't seen it so i was like oh you guys are in for a treat it's funny I, I called my buddy calling i'm like hey come watch deadpool and then last minute he's like hey my sister wanted to come last minute and i was like i am so, i just leaned over and told her right before the movie started i was like i am so so sorry <laughs> she's because she's got no clue what's going on she has she doesn't know anything about anything and I was like, I'm yeah. so, so sorry. I was like, Colin, you're going to love this. But Steph, I'm so, so <laughs> sorry. You're not going to, I don't know if you're going to like this or not. Oh, but that's awesome. They both got a kick out of it. They both laughed. Yeah. The second time I saw it, I, I took Sophia. So. Oh, how did, oh, how did she like it? She, she thought it was okay, but she's just really, really not into the gore. So yeah, that, it, that that killed it for a lot, but she was still laughing at many many points. Oh, that's so. good. That's good. Yeah, there's enough of the humor in there, I guess, to keep it going. There was a when I walked in the theater the other night. There was this little gray hair. I'll say little old lady. I mean, she was um, old gray hair lady. I mean, she wasn't like you know in her 80s, but just, I don't know. She's probably in her 60s, and sitting down front night, not front row, but like in the middle section where the stadium's part splits. And I was like, oh my goodness, are you lady? Are you in the right theater? <laughs> and I kind of like those two old ladies that went and watched Escape from L.A like however many times at that old movie theater that you and I worked at. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this isn't going to last. And the one disappointing thing about that experience was uh, the volume wasn't loud enough during the opening credits. So when that's, when the song really kicks in, yeah. it didn't have the same effect. Yeah. Well, she got up at one point in the first probably 10 minutes of the movie and got up and walked out. And I was like, oh, there she goes. And then, I don't know, maybe a minute went by and it got louder. <laughs> and she came back in and sat back down. I was like, she went and told him to turn it up. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. And she hung for the whole movie. I was like, all right, I'm proud of you, Grandma. Yeah. I'm proud of all those parents that did not take their kids to see Deadpool. Yes. Yeah. Because um, that was the last thing I wanted to be seeing in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I Fortunately, I was, both times I was in a theater that I, I didn't really, I don't think I saw any kids in there under, you know, about 15 or 16, which is probably right. still, still a little young, but still, I mean, better than bringing 12-year-olds and stuff. But Exactly. Okay, Chris, so I know that you've changed some things up on your comic book front. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me. Tell me who you are in this new phase of your creative journey. Well, I had sat down with a friend and started talking out my third rail story, which is a steampunk tale. And I realized upon the educated questions that he was asking that I had not researched it enough and it was not going to just magically write itself or anything. And as soon as I realized that while I was talking to him, I was like, well, hold on. Let's talk about this instead. And after a little bit of confusion, we figured out, he figured out that it wasn't another steampunk thing. It was something completely different. Uh-huh. And this project, I, I have actually kind of written this loosely all the way through. So I have a solid, I already had a solid outline and uh, some of the research I'd already done. And it's enough that I would do minimal research and still be able to write. Cool. And this was also an educational point for myself, too. When I was starting to do the steampunk deal, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of do this like a, um, like what I thought a webcomic would be, where you would just write 10 pages, maybe do it to the 10 pages, and then go back and forth and just kind of do that rather mm-hmm. than like off the fly a little bit. And then I think that was what was holding me back because – now I'm sitting down and writing this other book, and it's uh, a 1930s horror movie cool. comic. So, and it's like, but there's a link between the 1930s and the current time, because these ghost hunters are going to check out this area that this tra- this tragedy happened in, and it's kind of bouncing back and forth between the two times, and you're getting an idea of what is happening through the history that the people are seeing. And you're going to get a little bit of a twist in there, whereas like in the art world, you look at a painting and you take your own ideas out of what that artist has done. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have an effect on things, too, because the ghost hunter is going to be like, OK, this is a history got. But then it's going to flip over to the 1930s and it's going to be like, well, it wasn't quite like that. It looks like that, but it wasn't quite like that. So things are going to get twisted up and mm. it's going to be a fun, fun little ride. And cool. hopefully... I won't botch it and make everybody bored trying to get my point across. Oh, I hope then, not. I don't want to be bored. Don't bore me. And then I'm writing it, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm not drawing enough pictures to get out there to keep people interested <laughs> mm-hmm. in one. And, and I haven't had another thing that I had started a while back, and it really needs super minimal stuff to do. And I'm going to – it's not quite a full-on graphic novel, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a journal-based idea, and I have images that I've already drawn and inked and everything oh, cool. that I'm going to use in, as a part of it. And – I'm just working out a couple of kinks, and I should start posting that probably by the end of the month. So Cool. Where are you going to be posting that stuff? Uh, right now, I am deciding between Tumblr and Smack Jeeves, but um, definitely we'll have links in our on our page or whatever to it. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Once you have that sorted out, we'll put that up. We'll have yeah. that in our show notes each, each week, and 
eventually when I get around to actually putting up a real a full actual website we'll have we'll have a whole section in there to, to link over to it well we can have my eight-year-old Lucas do it we or should nine, we Lucas should. do it yeah because he was I left the other day and he was working on a website so I was like okay oh, totally he should do ours <laughs> done you mean I don't have to do it awesome uh, yeah take it great. away Lucas <laughs> go Lucas go go buddy here's all the login stuff you just go right ahead yeah so this is that's basically where I am at right now as far as my okay. artsy career and I am signing up with a couple for uh, one con for sure right now to vend at Constellation Nebraska here in Lincoln excellent and I'm excited about that so that'll be good get to see some old friends I've kind of stepped away from doing cons for the last two years and I'm try, ready to just jump back in and have a blast and that's what those things are about just having fun and being with others of your like-mindedness so it's good well, when you have all the info on that well for those of you out there we will have that information online as well and so if you're in the area you can go check Chris out and go up to him and harass him and give him a hard time for me definitely yeah. I am up for it it'll be a blast I'm, I'm yeah I'm excited to meet everybody so awesome alright ready for the feature sure I feel like a top shelf pervert you top shelf perv so now's now we get into the meat of the podcast back back to good old jessica jones once more mm-hmm. Epis- without a crutch without a crutch we're not going to be watching we're, it while we do it no we're not watching it so we both have made notes and i don't know about you but i've watched this episode about three times maybe uh, i've seen it i think about three times well i skimmed it the last time but okay. the okay. first two times i watched it fully so yeah so we're both about the same uh, we've 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 had the same exposure to it i believe we've actually both made notes i'm i'm a little more tech tech heavy this time I think Chris, you mentioned you're a little more story heavy, so a lot of work, and then we'll we'll both render our opinions because I think the opinion section on this is going to be interesting because for once we don't agree, uh, sort yes. of, sort of. But so here we are, episode seven of Jessica Jones, aka Top Shelf Perverts. So with a title like that, man, how can you lose? Yeah, I don't know. You just can't really. So. You can't. See? Yeah. See? It is a good episode. Mm-hmm. So, so over, overall, Jessica decides that being in prison is better than being under the control of Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. right, right. Well, that end, she comes up with this crazy idea that, hey, if I get thrown into a Supermax prison and he comes after me, there's all these levels of security that he's got to get through and there's no way that he can possibly cover his tracks and then I'll have proof. So if right. he does, so I, she's either going to be safe from him or he's going to come after her and there's no way he can cover it up. Yeah. I still think this is probably the weakest that we've seen Jessica so far. Like emotionally and physically, she just seemed really weak throughout this entire episode. I'd agree with that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that weakness, where do you think that weakness comes from? I see it as coming from desperation. Yeah, desperation and then like an emotional exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So I guess those are pretty close to the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think one feeds on the other. Yeah. And, you know, that you know the, the exhaustion and the desperation, I mean, they, they just, it all snowballs into this thing of this, you know, big pile of, I guess is a good way to describe it. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's just, you know, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's almost like, I mean, it's almost in a way like she's giving up because this, this whole thing of, okay, well, I'll just uh, get myself thrown in prison. Exactly. That's but, how, but it's interesting how. How is she going to do it? Let's get into the, the meat of the plot of that. And the weakest, I think this is like the weakest writing point in the series. Oh, so you're calling you're calling out the writers on this. You're calling out the writers this time. <laughs> yeah. You're using I mean, weak in a whole different, on a whole different fashion here, aren't you? Yeah. Because Kilgrave is like delivering that package mm-hmm. and then Ruben shows 
shows up. A character that I had hoped that we could actually get to know a little bit and would have a bit more significance to Jessica. Mm -hmm. And then he just has him kill himself, you know, right in the bed or whatever. And then Jessica does make make this work for her because she's deciding to use this as a vehicle to get into the Supermax. But it's just such a weak plot point because Jessica didn't even really have a chance to come like attached to Ruben at all. And it was so one sided that Ruben liked her, Mm -hmm. but she just didn't care. And I don't know, it's just uh, killing an underdeveloped character was just just like, I don't know, it seemed like the cheap thing to do. And then suddenly she seemed like she was so devastated by Ruben's death. It just didn't seem to work out in my head the way it should have, maybe. I don't know. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it didn't it didn't have the effect that perhaps the, the writers wanted it to have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I can, I can see that because, you know, he, is, he hasn't been used that much, but. But I, I kind of saw it as, as a, I don't want to say a brave choice, but I thought it was an interesting choice to do it because um, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. And of course, once you, I mean. Because you I, know I, why I, you yeah. didn't see it coming? Why? Because I didn't care. Because you didn't care. <laughs> and it was an underdeveloped character. Yeah. There is more development in the in the assistant bartender at Luke's place than there is with Ruben. True, true. Yeah, they've, they've made you care about him more, or made you find him more interesting. Although, I mean, I, I say that, but I mean, I, I kind of dug him, you know? It's like I yeah. I was I was starting to like the guy. Yeah, you wanted to. And, and I want... really, yeah, and I really wanted to. And yeah. I was, I mean, I'm not gonna, I was a little, I was a little upset that he got killed, but at the same time, I was like, but at the same time, I think because there is some, some level of detachment, um, I didn't have quite, I didn't get as, I didn't get that upset. I, I found it more interesting than oh this is crap you know yeah um, I, I wouldn't go know, if, as if far it had to been, say if, that if it had I've, been Malcolm that had gotten killed yeah. I'd been throwing stuff at the TV yeah exactly I'd have, I'd have gone all Elvis and shot my TV out if it mm-hmm. had been Malcolm that had gotten killed I'd, okay I, yeah but I mean it does give you that but at the same see, time see, if, I mean, if Malcolm died we could call it a Whedon yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah I don't know I don't know, I don't know. but well, I mean why it bothered me so bad so it, I think I think it, I mean you have a point about, you know, maybe it was kind of a throwaway thing. Maybe it was a weak writing point. But I think also it bothered you because whereas I wanted to like him, I think you did. And oh, yeah. I, I think I think that. on some level you are upset that he got killed. Not yeah. not because it's not because it was a cheap shot or an easy way to move the move the story along. Not that it was, OK, here's this easy plot point where we can move the story along. How are we going to get, you know, how, how is Jessica going to create this scenario to get herself thrown in prison? I think you liked him. And I think maybe it's because I've been in writing mode. Mm hmm. And I wanted to see that character develop more. Okay. Okay. So you're more sensitive to it. I get it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. And you wanted to see more out of him. You wanted to see where they were going to go with him. Because there are some. There could have been some crazy, funny, funny stuff that would happen. Yes. I, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they could have done. They could have done a lot, a lot there with that. But at the same time, I think his death at that point. I'll, I'll go counterpoint to you here. Does serve the overall story because we can't let things lighten up too much. Right. There can't be too much levity in this story. There can't be too many happy moments in this story. It all has to come crashing right back down again. PDQ, because I mean, that's, there's some seriously bad stuff happening and there's a seriously bad guy out there. And I think in a way, this sort of brings things, as as perhaps ill-conceived as it was, this does kind of bring things back down to earth for these, for the rest of these characters. Yeah. So, and I think that's maybe why, you know, just speaking not from a 
writing standpoint, but from character standpoint, why Jessica's reaction is pretty heavy to this is it's, you know, it just, it's just reinforcing that idea that nobody's safe. It's like right. this guy that's on the periphery of my life isn't even safe. It's like, just cause he happened to know me just casually, nobody's safe. So it's like, there's that, and that creates, that just piles on to that hopelessness and the despair and just weakens her further. If nothing else, it served the story in this episode. So right. that's my take on it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. I understand. But still, you got to admit, it's, it's pretty interesting. The, I like the subplot of where I like, I like the dealer. She says, okay, here's here's the thing. Uh, okay, I'm going to confess to this guy's murder and I'm going to get myself thrown in prison. And then Malcolm, boom, on the phone with Trish, hey, you got to get over here and help me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. He goes and dumps the body in the East River or whatever. And mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, no, it wouldn't be the East River. It would be the Hudson on that side of town, if I remember my geography correctly. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Dropped him in the river and then the, oh man, it's, okay, did you, the, the but we talk about Jessica being weak in this and, and you know, full of despair and all this and, mm-hmm. but dude, okay, the dogged determination she has to go through with this ridiculously stupid plan. Yes. She jumps in the river and as Kilgrave says later on, manual decapitation. I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she rips the guy's head off, walks into the police station with it in a bag. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That was, I, I, I liked that whole sequence. I mean, that was, that was one of the ones, that was one of the scenes you got glimpses of in the trailer that I was waiting for. Yeah. That, how that scene wrapped up. Oh yeah. The, the police officers. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty sweet. She yeah. walks out and everybody, he's got, Kilgrave's got, everybody's got guns on everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then the bit where she's like, you know, he's like, you won't kill me because you don't know what will happen if you do. Right. So it's like, you know, does everybody snap? Does the mojo wear off? Does it not wear off? You know, that was. And the funny thing is that is the detective, I, he wasn't even convinced that she was, yeah. she was going to prison yet. I mean, like, yeah, he, he didn't, he didn't necessarily. It was like everybody was against her, this plan for her. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was. Yep. And then Hogarth walks in and starts trying to act like a defense attorney. Yeah. Well, clearly my client's is she's like I'm not your client you shut up you're fired you get out <laughs> but yeah that oh man and then the I did have okay I, I had a little bit of a, a problem with the whole deleting the, the surveillance footage yeah okay I'll totally buy that they could get in and do that those systems are, he, they would have had to gone in and stop the system recording there's like multiple things they would have had to do because it would have just kept populating that drive with more footage as they're right. doing it so I guess I just talked myself into it well he went in and told him to tell it to stop recording so I had to we used to um, my old job, we had to play with those kind of security DVRs and stuff. We used them for different things for, for different projects, <laughs> kind of repurposed them. But it's like, you got to go in and tell it, okay, you have to tell it what you want it to do. But I guess it's conceivable that, <laughs> that Kilgrave said, okay, go in, make it stop recording. Now go and delete everything. But I guess for most people though, it wouldn't matter. It's, it was enough to show them deleting it. But for, for people like me that I'm like, well, I've, I've, I've worked with those kinds of things. But I'm like, no, you can't do it that way. <laughs> that doesn't work. But that, and of course, you know, where we get our, and we get our, we get our, uh, well, we don't get our title. We got our title there earlier when she's on the, cause we go rewind a little bit to where Jessica calls Hogarth and says, okay, how I need to get thrown into a supermax prison. How do I do that? She's like, then something about only top shelf perverts are there or something. Well, I thought she said it in the, in the interrogation room. Well, with... Jessica said it. Yeah. She, but that's what Hogarth said to her. I think it was what Hogarth or somebody else said to her is the only kind 
kinds of people that are in there are top shelf perverts. Uh, and then she yeah. throws the line back out to the detective and she sits down and she goes, and he's like, why did you do this? And she says, well, I'm a top shelf pervert. So right. she, she just regurgitates the line that she'd been given earlier. Right. Invoking the title, <laughs> as they say. Like how she goes around to say her goodbyes to everybody. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. her step monster. Yes. That was a, that was an interesting scene. Mm -hmm. Goes and sees Trisha's mom. And so we get, we finally get to meet, um, we meet Trisha's mom and mm -hmm. we get a little bit more insight into that story. And that was, dude, that was, that was a pretty stern warning. I mean, she's like, even if I go to prison, even if I'm locked away and they've thrown away the key, if you go near her, I will know. And I'm coming after you. Right. What was the line she used? I have my little quotes thing pulled up, but did she say something about, I'll make it hurt or no, it wasn't that, was it? Yeah. It will hurt. It will hurt. Yeah. And it yeah. will hurt. No matter, uh, there it is. No matter where I am, even if I'm behind bars, if you try anything, I will find out. I will come for you. It will like, dang, <laughs> that was pretty nuts. Yeah. And then there's a scene where she's, um, Putting the, the pushing the divorce papers on Wendy on mm -hmm. the subway platform. Man, that was crazy. That was that was that was a good mm -hmm. scene. And it kind of balances out everything because, like, like for me, I was feeling like Jess is like super weak with her idea and. Um, just in general, she's like, like I said, emotionally yeah. out there. Well, uh, you know, in this, we start the episode out, that subway scene's pretty early. We start the episode yeah. out where she's, she's getting thrown out of a bar. Right. She's drunk, getting thrown out of a bar and gets tossed into the pile of garbage. And then the, the bum goes, you smell like shit. And she goes, well, I'm a piece of shit. So I just smell like. <laughs> and then subway card yeah. or blimpy card. Or yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. And he hands her the, like, you got a dollar. She's like, ah, blimpy card. <laughs> so the sandwich saved again yeah yeah and then we get the subway scene. but yeah i mean you get that you get that you know is because they'd have that or they have the conversation later she's like yeah i scared her like you wanted me to right so she had to get you know i think that was something she was uncomfortable doing right so she i mean one she's she had to blow up with luke previous to this and then two she's got it she's doing something she's not really comfortable with mm -hmm. so she's you know loaded up on the liquid courage yeah but yeah. and then it, that was a little i mean even though you know it's like even the first time i saw this it all three times I've watched this episode where she's standing on the tracks staring down that train that's coming at her after she she oh my goodness yeah and they end up both tumbling down onto the tracks and she stand, she's standing in there just, she's thinking about it I could just let this train hit me yep and then whoosh, jumps out at the last second exactly that one gets me that one's gotten me all three times I was like oh that was just a little too much tension this is great <laughs> And then Wendy comes back at the end, and not totally the end of the episode, but she comes back super strong against, mm -hmm. uh, what, what's her name? So. Dude, Wendy is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm excited to see what, what we get to see from Wendy. So Kilgrave will kill her in the next episode. So, yeah. I'm waiting. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's going <laughs> to, I don't know about that. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you've seen it all, so. I've seen it I, all, but. It's, I'm at a deficit. You're at a deficit, but it's, it's, it's fun to watch where it goes, because uh, let me just say that it escalates. Yeah, I imagine. So. As I mean, this is what you call a uh, um, this is this is not an amicable divorce. I mean, this is this is uh, it gets ugly. Cool, so, well, that's good. But it it's interesting. It it's interesting how they they want. I mean, because it's just, it starts out. I mean, that's like totally a total little subplot. It's almost a throwaway in a sense. But now it's become a little bit more involved, and it becomes even more involved in the story later. And it, they they use it. They use that. They take that little subplot, and the writers use it to their advantage and really make something interesting out of it that's cool so you get, it makes for some it makes for some really really good scenes yeah yeah 
that. And then you got Soldier Boy tailing Kilgrave and not saying, telling Trish that he's found her. Mm-hmm. So make you doubt his intentions. Yeah, it's like, what's he all about? Yeah. What is he really about? Because we really don't know him that well. Right. We still don't know him that well. We don't really know anything about him. Right. Other than it's like we feel sorry for him because he's one of the people that got, you know, Kilgraved. Mm-hmm. Got, you know, taken advantage of in such a heinous way. We automatically feel sorry for him, but it's like, well, it doesn't ma- that doesn't automatically make him a good guy. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where his story goes. And then it ends with Jessica just folding and going with Kilgrave. Yep. But at that point, I mean, it's it kind of plays into the whole weakness thing because at that point, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, screw it. It's yeah, like, exactly. It's, you have to hit rock bottom, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, this is. I think this is her hitting rock bottom. So I think can, from here on out, I think this is where she starts to crawl back up because it's like, boom, she's bottomed out. It can't possibly get any worse. Let's just go see what this guy's got going on. Right. Yeah. And, oh, we do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually quite excited to talk about the next episode. Cool. Can't wait to see it. But I, act, I did a little digging. Um, I've mentioned this before. I want to talk about some of the technical stuff. I did a little digging this time around. And so we have, uh, interesting, we have the same director on this episode and the next one. Yeah. So you kind of get a, and you do, you kind of get a similar feel, although different editors. Um, the editor on this episode did the first episode, did Ladies Night, and he did 99 Friends. Okay. So, and we've talked about those, some of the visual style of those yes and and a lot of that is i mean it's it's the director but it's also the editor too so you know the way the cuts are you know some of the cuts are way some of it goes together and then there's a couple episodes that this guy did later but um the uh i i i'm gonna go geek on you for a little bit and just for a minute i looked up i was like well what i wanted to know you know how what they were shooting this thing on they're using the red one of the red cameras the epic dragon it's a 6k camera this thing that's in, which is insane the resolution of that there but they shoot actually it's quite According to this, according to IMDb, they're shooting it in 4K and 5K, and they're posting it and ma- they're they're mastering it and doing the intermediates in 4K, which is pretty freaking awesome. Um, which is why it looks so damn good watching it. It's just like 720 on my TV at home. But the the um, the lenses, I was and I had a note in there at first. I was like, I didn't know what lenses they were using. I didn't know how they were shooting. I did a little bit more digging and found that out. And the lenses that they're using are Panavision lenses. Okay. And there, it's a new lens series it's called P Vintage. And what they've done is there was a series of lenses that they came out with in the late 70s. They're called the Ultra Speed Primes. And it was this incredible glass. And it was the, the, the thing was they were super, super fast. Like you've got T stops or F stops, you know, every, all of them for the entire, this entire range of these prime lenses, all of the T stops are sub two. So or it'd be like setting the, the F stop on your film camera, you know, at like 1.9. 1.5 1.0 so what does an f-stop do so that's that's how much light you're letting in the camera that's how wide okay. the so the the more you open the the iris on the lens the more light you're going to let in and ultimately you're limited by two things one the size of the iris and two quality of the glass the quality and the thickness of the glass okay is ultimately what's going to limit you so the more glass there is so typically in a longer lens um there's more material there so ultimately less light's going to get through even if even with that wide aperture that wide iris setting right and you know a wider angle lens the glass isn't there's not as much material there so more light can get in well these things they've got like these really long lenses actually from really short focal length 14 millimeter which is on a 35 millimeter camera it's darn near fisheye and then it goes to let's see what's actually got the range here i left that one pulled up they got to a 100 millimeter lens which for when you're and these are all talking about these focal lengths 14 millimeter 17 24 29 35 40 50 75 and 100 these are all 
for um, originally meant for 35 millimeter film cameras. And the the Red Dragon, that Red Epic Dragon, actually has a roughly a 35 millimeter sensor. So the focal lengths translate very well. Cool. But you can. But the the point is, you can shoot super super fast. You you don't need a lot of light to expose the same amount. So you know, on your 50 millimeter lens, which would be like your, which should be like kind of your normal focal length lens and kind of your normal go to lens. It's a one point. It's a one T stop. Typically, you know, a lot of lenses, you know, typically your zooms and stuff like that, you might get a 2.8, maybe 2.4, and it's a it's this logarithmic deal as it expands. So it's it, it's, it's almost like an exponential increase or decrease in light amount. So it's, I mean, you can almost light these scenes with a flashlight or a candle. It's kind of like what they did. It's kind of like what Kubrick did with Barry Lyndon when he had these custom lenses made because he lit the whole damn movie with candles. Gotcha. But I, I was just going to ask, is it, does it turn into a pain in the butt to light something like that? Um, actually, no. Um, well, I mean, okay. I say no. I mean, it, it can, it's, it's, it's kind of relative. Um, it depends on what you're, what you're trying to do um a show like the, you know in a situation like this it's nice having that lens that that or having a piece of glass that fast because if you're going to go ahead and shoot wide open which would be at that you know that 1.0 or 1. Point whatever uh t-stop it's actually going to see a lot more of the you know the human eye you look at a scene you look at a street scene and you see all the subtle differences you see the shadows and the highlights the camera lens doesn't necessarily see that in a lot of cases you have to light for that so you've got to add lights you've got to take away light you've got to block light things like that to get that sort of organic you know separation yeah with a faster lens you don't have to do as much of that so in that case it lets you work a little faster but if you just if you made a creative choice to say well i don't want to shoot that wide open because i shooting that wide open gives you a, a much shorter depth of field so that meaning something my focal point my actor's in focus but whatever's in front of them or behind them is out of focus if i want gotcha. a lot more in focus i want a long depth the field okay i've got to go to a narrower f-stop or t-stop i may not capture some of those elements but so you're gonna you're gonna have to play with the light a little bit more although that said and i'm probably confusing the hell out of everyone this camera <laughs> but now you've got but it also you've got this camera with this crazy dynamic range so it's got this 16 and a half stop range so in post you can go in and you know kind of bump things up and down um but you're still going to affect the overall image so it's what they're doing is actually pretty clever for this camera with these lenses assuming they're shooting wide open which it kind of looks like it does i mean the you look at this you look at look at the a lot of it and it really does look like it's shot you know 35 millimeter you know there's a good separation in the as far as focus and all that but it's pretty clever what they've done with this camera with this wide exposure range on the camera these very fast lenses they're able to do all of these street scenes and they're not they're probably not having to set up as much they're probably not having to do as much light or as you know as many um nets and scrims and things like that to play with it so i think in the, in this case it's working for them and it's allowing them to work faster because especially in new york i mean it, it's all this because they're i mean they're shooting on location they're there they're on the streets it's all permitted and those permits are okay well you can have this little section you can have this little space from this time to this time and it may just be a few hours right and so there's not a lot of time to be moving lights around and setting things up and tearing them down so it's it's smart of them to be using this particular set of equipment because they can probably move a lot faster gotcha and then another thing is this glass they're they've actually taken this is like 35 year old glass that they're using that was actually they've taken the they've gutted these ultra speed primes and they put they've built new houses around them to 
work with the modern cameras. So it's that was another little geeky thing that I thought was really cool. Cool. So I've, and I've actually seen a set of these lenses. I haven't. I've never used them. I've never shot with them, but I've seen them up close. I was actually um, over at uh, Panavision Dallas one time. We were picking up something, and there somebody was prepping a shoot, and they'd sent um, they'd sent a set of these in uh, from L.A. And my boss was like, "Dude, go look at those lenses. Those are those are special." He's like, "Those are those are badass." He's like, "You you like your you know you like all your Zeiss lenses and stuff." He goes, "No, you need to go look at those." And I was like, "Woo!" <laughs> so I, th- I thought this is interesting that they they've repurposed this stuff instead of just junking it or it, instead of you know sitting on a shelf gathering dust. That I thought was kind of cool that they've been able to repurpose this glass and use it for something else. So the lesson there is recycle, kids. That's right. So. But so I think we're a little running a little over time on this part of the discussion, but I think I think we can wrap it up with I think it's fair to say I liked this episode more than you did. Yes. Yeah. And because we got into that, you know, it's the pros and cons of what we did and didn't like. But yeah. And I, and that was interesting when you when you and I first talked about this episode probably two or three weeks ago. You mentioned you're like, man, I just, that one just didn't do it for me. And I was like, oh man, that's that's been one of my favorites. So I thought, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I, and I think you're right. I think you've been in this writing mode and it's really made you more sensitive to it, more aware of of that stuff, especially the character development because you're developing new characters yourself. Exactly. So beyond this, of course, is it going to, it's not going to stop you from watching episode eight. I mean, you're going to watch it. Cause oh yeah, I'm going to continue. Talk about it. We gotta, Cause yeah. you got to know what happens. Exactly. Trust me, you want to know what happens. Yeah. But beyond the world of Jessica Jones, anything, has anything stood out this week to you? Any books, TV shows, movies? Did you read anything, comics, whatever you want to, that you'd recommend to anybody go check out? Um, I did watch a horror movie with a buddy the other night called You're Next from 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the almost a home invasion type thing. And it was pretty good. And it, it's a, on the low budget side of things. And you can tell because there's one song that plays through the entire movie. <laughs> Anytime any music comes up, it's that song. And it's a good song. I mean, it, it, it works for the thing and the movie and everything. And it, it's pretty fun. And they have some pretty good actors. And, uh, like, apparently most of the actors that were in this um, this this movie were, di- like, all the guys, I think, were directors. Oh, really? Yeah. So some sort of director. And nobody's super famous or anything. Like, people that were just, like, on the edge of, like, hey, I do recognize that person. I just really need to go and figure out who it was. And it, it, it was it's pretty fun just to see people in the in a situation like this. And so there's not like a massive cast or anything like that, but it was it was good. It reminded me a lot of the some of the local stuff that I've seen here in Lincoln. And cool. yeah, it was good with a little bit higher, definitely a higher quality to it. So and where'd you see this one? I uh, just at a friend's place. Is uh, it on streaming, Netflix, DVD? Uh, what? Looks like you can rent it on Amazon. Okay. And then he had it. He had already owned it. So oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Check that out. He's a collector. So if I ever want to see any horror movie. Movie, I could pretty much go there and be able to be there. So, oh, cool. And that's where I'm thinking right now. So, yeah, that's okay. good. Oh, there you go. There you go. You got it. You've got a muse. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit Uh-oh. because well, you had texted me earlier, messaged me earlier today or yesterday, and you're like, "Hey, Justice League War is on Netflix," and I'd been, oh, yeah. I'd been dying to see it. I've been wanting okay. to see it for a while and just hadn't pulled the trigger on on the rental. And I was like, you know what? 
it's like I got some time before I go to dinner. I'm watching. I watched it this afternoon, and I've loved it. Yeah, so it's it's on Netflix. So hey, if you're watching Jessica Jones, it means you got Netflix, so you can go watch this. Um, it's good. They did it back and came out in back in 2014. And you're unfamiliar with it. It's it's based on um, based on one of the graphic novels. That's an origin story of the Justice League. So this is kind of a retelling of how all these guys came together. And what's great about it is they don't waste any time on exposition. I mean, this could be if this was the Justice League movie that's going to come out in a few years, I would be happy. Yes. It's an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 19 minutes. And it's just, it hits the ground running and it doesn't stop. There's, exactly. there's no BS. There's no slow points. There's not a lot of exposition. It's, they managed to, it's actually very, it's a, it's, I mean, they're putting on a, they're putting on a clinic in how to make a film and how to tell a story mm-hmm. in, in, in a motion picture. It's, they're showing you, not telling you most of the time. And if they need to tell you something, tell you on the move real quick question asked answered while something's happening and you're like okay that's all i need to know and there's an awesome call out to a coca-cola commercial there is yeah how did i miss that it's super famous coca-cola commercial think about it i'm not it has, it has to do uh with um i feel like an idiot now it has to do with uh, shazam and in his well in his billy batson form and the um... oh yeah the whole bit with the jersey okay <laughs> yeah. okay yeah the mean joe green yeah thanks mean joe yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I was yeah. laughing pretty hard. That, okay, okay. So. I thought that felt familiar, but I didn't make, the, I did not make the connection, truth be told. Yeah. Until just now. Yeah. I'm like thinking, somebody make a joke about teaching the world to sing? Was there a polar bear? Did I miss something? <laughs> did they crash into the zoo? I don't know. You don't remember the polar bear fighting? Son start? of a what? bitch. I gotta go back and watch it again. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Yeah, and this is one of the few times, so Dark Side is the big bad in this, and it's one of the few times you see, you see Dark Side get whooped, and, but they made him out it was interesting because I, I thought it was kind of neat because they made him out I mean they really let him be the big badass that he is but at the same time this group of individuals comes together and just puts the hurt on him and only uh, like only they could right so it was, it was very 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 good so you've got you know the whole thing is the the league comes together and they never say the word they never say Justice League in the whole movie no but Super 7 the Super 7 yeah there's a bad joke about the you know, or the Super 7 oh god that's that was too funny but yeah, I mean, it's great. It's like, there's, there's not a lot of talking about, oh, we need to, it's, they just out of necessity come together. I mean, I got the feeling that the whole thing took place over what, maybe 24, 36 hours. Yeah. It was, if yeah, that. it wasn't more than, yeah, it wasn't more than five days for yeah. sure. I mean, it was, it was a very, very quick period of time. So it's, I mean, it's fast paced, but at the same time, it was pretty easy to follow, except obviously I missed the part of, I missed the a little Easter egg about the Coke commercial, but yep. now that you say it, it's totally there. Yep. Yeah. But in fact, I thought, speaking of that, I thought Victor's origin was the most compelling of the individual stories in the whole thing. I agree. I thought his is the most compelling one. That's, I that agree. Was a, I, I thought that was a fantastic take on Cyborg. So that, that was... Yeah. Because he he just doesn't get a lot of love. No, I mean they, he gets used he gets used a lot, but but I don't feel like he gets the treatment that he needs. So in this yeah. one, I felt like he did. So if you're a cyborg fan, this is definitely worth checking out. Yes, and Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman is uh, I, this is also one of my favorite takes on Wonder Woman that I've seen. 
So very, she kind of reminds me of Thor. I would agree with and you. I, and I think I told you drunk Thor, but uh, yeah. well, there's the part with the ice cream. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah Come definitely. on. There's an ice cream scene that's really funny. So there, there are some moments in here in, in it that are that are kind of funny, but they all serve to move the story forward. So we'll let them have them. So I think that's about all we got for this week. And that's right. I believe we will be back in two weeks mm-hmm. to discuss episode eight. That's in correct. In the meantime, uh, probably next week I will release part three of the interview that I did with Justin and Miguel over at Comical Podcast. So that'll, we'll put that out next week just to have something. And, uh, but I think we're going to go to, for our Jessica Jones discussions for our main show format, we're going to go to every other week. So look for us, look for an episode, a short one to come out next week and a main episode to come out in two weeks and probably every two weeks after that. So... Without further ado, I think it's time for us to shuffle off. So you all take it easy. Listen for the beacon. I've been Seal. I was Chris. And we will catch you later. <laughs>